When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My newest invention here is called the Cobb Quickie. Hands down the easiest way to butter your corn on the cob on a hot summer day. Simply grab yourself a fresh stick of butter and using our patent pending firm grip design, place the butter directly onto the center spikes. Then simply go to town buttering your corn on the cob from top to bottom. No matter what your technique is, get the job done this summer when you use the Cobb Quickie. Good morning, Sweet World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, June 21st. I'm J.E. Skeets rolling with the homie there in his Hawks jersey. That's Willis. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Taz? Looking good in a Delaney jersey. <laughs> Malcolm in the Mellis. I'm yep. loving it. Uh, we got my top shot hot boy, fellow freak, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, hey yo. yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. And finally making the magic happen here on a Monday morning is JD. Hello. There he is. Hey, JD. And here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Smash that like button. Leave your comments. And if you haven't already, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Keep sending in your questions and comments for our Beach Steppin' Podcasts. Email them in. Best way to do it. Nodunks at theathletic.com. You can also tweet them in at No Dunks Inc. You can leave them in the YouTube comments. We're moving the Beach Steppin' up a day. Usually do it on Wednesday. We're going to be doing it on Tuesday. Tomorrow, we're hitting the beach to answer your NBA and non-NBA questions. So you still have time to get them in. You got a little bit of time to get them in um, because we got no games on tonight. So we said, hey, let's just hit the beach in the morning. That's what we're going to do too. 10 a.m. Eastern, we'll do a beach stepping. So get your cues in. Finally, grab your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. Okay. Greatest NBA weekend Ever? Uh, it's in the mix. It was entertaining as hell. A lot of fun games. Uh, a couple series wrapping up. Another one starting. We're going to break down as much of it as we can here on a Monday. We'll start with the Hawks stunning the 76ers to make their second Eastern Conference Finals in 50 years. TK, get us started. The Hawks, caca! In fact, I thought maybe this would just be me going caca and then Lee going huerta. All right, back and forth for, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes. But the Hawks move on here. Trey, What's your big takeaway? Well, I'm just like a lot of the No Dunks fans out there, Skeets. I watched the Hawks win a road Game 7 to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But my brain is broken because the whole time, all I could think about was Lee saying, Kevin, (laughs) and how many times it's possibly going to come up, having seen the biggest game in Kevin (laughs) career, because in a game with multiple former All-Stars, a handful of players that averaged 20 per game at some point, and three All-Defense members on the court... It was Kevin 
Hunter, who really won this game for the Hawks. 27 points, seven rebounds, three assists, hit a couple of threes. And the Hawks needed every single one of Kevin Huerta's points uh, with Trey Young struggling. <laughs> Trey finished five of uh, finished with 21 points. Ten in the fourth quarter was huge. Hit a big three late clutch once again. But he went five of 23 on the night, which is why Huerta was instrumental in this win to the point where I've forgotten his name is yes. actually pronounced yeah. Herder. Yeah. And I was explaining it to <laughs> Laura too. last night. She's like, Herder, like... Like a shepherd? Like a sheep shepherd? No, like he's hurting somebody. And last night, he was hurting Seth Curry. Oh, that's a segue right there. He yep. was hunting the mismatch with Curry all night, gave him that work. Basically, just getting to the mid-range and shooting over Seth Curry, if we're being honest, made six from basically the free throw line, which came in handy late when Matisse Thibault fouled Kevin Herter on a three with the Hawks up one. Herter goes to the line with less than a minute left. And Lee must have been going crazy seeing Herter step to the line, no problem. Knock down three free throws, easy peasy. Next possession for the Sixers. Embiid gets ISO'd on Danilo Gallinari, hits him with the spin move, and Gallo pokes it away. And guess who the ball ends up in the hands of? You guessed it. Kevin Herter hit a head pass to the dunk for Gallo. Game blouses. The first Hawks Game 7 win ever. Crazy stuff. See you in the Eastern Conference Finals. Wild stuff from Atlanta and Kevin Huerta last night. Yeah, Lee, you must have been loving this, man. I was because Kevin Huerta has had a bit of an up-and-down series. He started off really well, uh, and then he got moved into that starting lineup, and he didn't do so well. But in these last two games, he was fantastic because even though they lost Game 6 here in uh, Atlanta on Friday night, he still had 17 points and 11 rebounds in that one. And he's a very uh, he's a very smart player. He understands. Coaches always say, everyone rebound, everyone hit the boards, everyone make sure you secure that rebound. And he does that. He's always waiting back there to make sure his team secures the rebound. And I think that's what's fantastic about him is that he's got that awareness to understand that they've got to close out a possession. But then on offense... As Trey mentioned there, Seth Curry has been, you know, probably the second best Sixers player this series. He's been fantastic. And offensively, he was good again last night. But defensively, it was fairly obvious what the Hawks are doing. <laughs> Kevin Huerta, you have, what, three, four, five inches maybe on, on, on Seth Curry. Just take him inside to the post and score. Take him into the paint there and, and rise up and shoot over him. And then the th- three free throws to ice it. I mean, that's a huge, huge moment. Practice your free throws, kids. He stepped up the line and knocked them down. They needed all three of them. And it was just incredible. And he hit the, he got them going early on, hit some big shots for them. And, yeah, to deliver that performance in that game when, as I mentioned, he's, he started off great coming off the bench. You know, those second units maybe get a little bit of an advantage to, you know, there's lesser defenders coming at you. Moved into the starting lineup. Didn't really work in that role. But then last night, shook all that off and went out there and performed, especially when, I know we're going to talk about this a lot, Trey Young, you know, didn't have a great game, hit some big shots, stayed in the game, which I loved about him. He didn't he didn't let, of, uh, let those missed shots and those bad shots uh, affect the rest of his game and then stepped up late. But they were going to have to get contributions from other guys. And for uh, Kevin Huerta, I won't do it all day, don't worry. But uh, <laughs> for him impossible. to be able to... Um, not to. I know that's the thing. Yeah. Once you start, you can't sort of pull that pull that thread back in. It's done. But uh, 
it was just a, an incredible performance. And, and the one thing, you know, about these Hawks, what I really like, and I think it starts with Nate McMillan on the sideline. He's not an emotional guy. He stays very, very level-headed and very calm. And I think you saw that from the Hawks. I think that filtered through, again, to Trey Young, who stayed very, very positive in this game, even though his shots were just missing. Some of them were, were his classic floaters in the lane, just rimming out. Took some deep bombs. They didn't go. But then he hit that monster three that also, I think it made it a five-point game at that point. And uh, just up seven, what, I think. The one with was two and a seven, half to go. Yeah, yeah, that bomb. Um, but just uh, one of the most impressive performances. Because when Joel Embiid got going at the start of the fourth, it felt to me like this is going to be that home crowd. The, you know, they're going to get their home team over line. Embiid is stepping up like a superstar should. Hit some big shots, but the Hawks were uh, just incredible. I can't believe that's the first ever franchise Game 7 victory. Zero and nine, I think it was, before last <laughs> night. So uh, congratulations to them. Yeah, shout out to the Hawks pros. So, uh, we know some of them out there that have been diehard Hawks fans for a long time uh, through the ups and downs here. And they're back in the Eastern Conference Finals. And this is a nuts season task. Like, I mean... March 1st, they're 14 and 20 and they fire their head coach. And uh, here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals like three and a half months later. It's, it's pretty amazing. We'll get to uh, the Ben Simmons slander and burying the Sixers for their boneheaded plays in this. But the Hawks were pretty damn impressive. Uh, you know, I thought Collins another just like energy game again from him. He was huge in this series and again, making himself some bucks. Uh, but yeah, before we get to the Sixers, uh, any more like sort of positive Hawks thoughts here uh, moving forward? You don't want to slander the Sixers, do you, Skeets? You want to wait a few more minutes? Well, I'm ready to slander. No, I, I think, yeah, you said you said the Hawks were struggling in uh, in February and March, and it's kind of like this game for Trey Young. I mean, Trey stayed the course throughout the season. He was steady as a rock. He was 2 of 19 in this game late in the fourth quarter, and he kept shooting because that's what great players do. They needed him, and he had three of his last four shots, and he got them over the line and some wild stuff. Yeah, like Joel Embiid uh, backing down Danilo Gallinari and Gallinari saying, man, I can't stick with this guy. I mean, there was some coaching there from Doc Rivers late. It was, hey, Gallinari, uh, I know that guy. I used to coach him in L.A. Just spin and you'll score. But he poked the ball from Joel Embiid. He gets that dunk that Herter set him up for. And then he's pointing to himself like, yeah. I'm the frickin' defensive stopper on this team. And, and it kind of worked, too. You know, the Ben Simmons uh, a little bit later spun on Danilo Gallinari and passed up the dunk. Uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the, the Hawks there just, just for a little bit because Trey, uh, you know, yeah, obviously just a rock. I mean, I, I think, yeah, Nate McMillan has really gotten through to him to stay steady. Uh, this is year three for him, but obviously his first playoff appearance, um, that's, that's impressive to stay all the way through the game. And, uh, yeah, they didn't miss DeAndre Hunter uh, because Kevin Herter, you know, really causes the Sixers to have a problem. He finally got it going here in Game 7, but there's nowhere to hide for Seth Curry because mm -hmm. the Hawks are just so good on the perimeter. You can't put him on Bogdan Bogdanovich. You can't put him on Trey Young. And finally, Herter made a pay in, in Game Number 7 here. Uh, but it was, it was so frustrating because, yeah, it sure seemed like the Sixers were going to get this done. But Number one, yeah, no one could score late. Uh, but also, you know, just the – they just weren't – emotionally into it like the third quarter Matisse Thibel gets that huge dunk a monstrous dunk late in this game it seems like it's going to turn but then they don't get back mm -hmm. and, and John Collins gets an easy jamma jamma and then uh you know it's just it's just those things like this was an ugly game for for Trey Young uh for a lot of Sixers for Tobias Harris for Ben Simmons the home team's supposed to win those games because <laughs> they're supposed to outgrit and outfight the other team that's what happens in game sevens 
but they didn't out grit, they didn't out fight, and uh, the Hawks obviously stayed the course like they did all season. So they deserve it, and I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad Trey started talking about the Hawks because it's easy to talk about the Sixers, and I'm glad we're still talking about the Hawks. But now let's get to the slander, <laughs> well, Mander. Yeah, this is a this is a brutal loss. I mean, not just the series, that game, of course. Boneheaded plays after boneheaded plays. Yeah, they were lacking like emotion. You said their task getting back. It felt like Collins or Capella had like three or four sort of like you know borderline breakaway dunks because they just the Sixers were not getting back in time, and the guys were uh, you know especially Trey hitting them up ahead. Simmons passing up a wide open dunk will be talked about here for you know it feels like maybe years in Philadelphia. I guess until he's moved because you think that's going to be happening. Uh, and sometime in the next couple of months. That was insanely. Like, this is what I keep thinking. Like, Trey is having a rough shooting game, but he keeps firing away, firing away. And you can go 5 of 23. You can go Kobe 6 of 24 in finals games. It doesn't, doesn't matter as long as, like, you actually keep shooting. And then if you can hit a timely one, man, you're amazing. That's fine. The worst thing you can do in the NBA to the fans, uh, in the fans' uh, mind, I think, is not shoot. Really, I truly believe that. I think almost NBA fans like can respect somebody that goes 0 for 20 more than they can respect somebody that won't even shoot. It's a weird thing sometimes, but him passing up Simmons, a wide-open dunk, to give it to Thibel sort of in traffic, who got fouled and went to the line, and then he split it, but that was like, whoa. And you've seen the stats. I'm sure everybody joining us here, he just didn't shoot in the fourth quarters of these games. He shot three times. The entire series. He didn't miss one. Made them all, though. Yeah, he was perfect. Should have shot more, I guess. Incredible field goal percentage in the fourth quarter. Ben Simmons, a superstar type player in this league, an all-NBA borderline guy, like three shots in seven games in the fourth quarter. That's uh, that's just in, sort of insane when you think about it. Almost accidentally, you would think he'd shoot one of yeah, these uh, once in a while. But that, that play was crazy because that's a... Yeah. I mean, you see Embiid going, what? You hear the Sixers fans going, like, murmuring, like, oh, my God. It's gotten this bad where you won't even take a wide-open dunk now for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is because you are concerned about getting fouled and going in line. I don't, you're overthinking it. I don't know. That was insane. And he – I mean, I can't see how you can – he'll be on this team starting next season. I don't. Yeah, and, and Doc Rivers after the game was asked, is he a point guard on a championship team? And he sort of said, I don't really know. Joel Embiid acknowledged that play kind of as the turning point, so no yeah. one shied away from it. Simmons didn't shy away from it either as far as uh, he went to the media afterwards, talked about it. He said he thought Gallinari was coming over his back. I mean, so he didn't run and hide from it, but yeah, he's clearly mentally was not there. And he acknowledged that for the entire series as well. Um, so at least he's not trying to pretend anything else was out there but clearly at that point he did not want to he did not want to shoot the ball for fear of getting fouled I believe and having to go to the free throw line uh, and that ended up costing his team these free throws throughout this whole uh, series cost his team because they couldn't rely on him and he was exposed for that so he's got uh, I, I, you know everyone say well trade him for CJ McCollum I mean I can't imagine how that phone call goes you know Daryl Morey calls up Neil O'Shea and says hey we'll trade you uh, you guys need some fresh faces over there we'll give you Ben Simmons you give us CJ McCollum imagine the Blazers fans say don't dump him on us because his trade value right now is just so incredibly low yeah I think for Ben Simmons, um, and he said this as well, he says, I've got to work on everything in my game. And just exactly how committed to that he is, is going to determine his future. Because he's in four seasons, his numbers basically have flatlined the entire time. What he did in his first uh, full season as a player to what his career averages are, are basically they haven't changed, they haven't improved. So that to me tells me he hasn't really worked on his game. He hasn't worked on improving anything. And the shooting is obviously now the, the most glaring part of it. Because we know he's great in transition. You know, he can rebound. He's a great defender. He passes a ball. 
But if he cannot shoot and will not shoot, then he is an incredible liability for whatever team he is on. So, uh, and, and this game, I mean, that moment highlighted just so much for, for his career to this point. It's like, it is such a problem that you won't even dunk. You're in the paint. That's the place where it's like, he, he must shoot 65% from in the paint. I mean, because that's the only place he can actually score the ball. He didn't do that. Um, I mean, watching him last night and just, you know, you could just feel everyone just like, oh, my God, oh, what God. is going on here? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, again, like Doc Rivers after the game, coaches tend to still sort of defend their player. He didn't. So yeah. it certainly feels like um, it's more likely than not that he has played his last game for Philadelphia. But, again, how does that trade conversation go? Like, everyone saw it. Everyone knows the Sixers want to move on from him. So... What are you going to get in return? I mean, he's a young, athletic, all-NBA caliber player, all-defensive player, but uh, right now it is like, oof, I'm not sure how many teams are out there saying, lining up saying, give us Ben Simmons. Yeah, because it's like, what do you even do with him offensively? You can't even just give him the ball like in close games because you could just hack him, put him at the line. Okay, that's not going to go well. He won't even take a layup now at this point. You can't put him in a corner or anything because he ain't going to shoot it. And, and whoever's guarding him is not even gonna close to guarding him. So you're just going to clog up the paint even more for a guy like Embiid. Uh, yeah, TK, have we seen Ben Simmons play his last game in a Sixers uniform? If you were a betting man, is he going to be moved for, for what we could get into? And yeah, fire up the trade machine and all that. But like, can't, they can't possibly run this again with Embiid and Simmons, can they? <laughs> It's tough to, to make a case for running this back after seeing it come down to the fourth quarter and the Sixers are going to shake Milton as their creator out there. And I mean, Simmons is getting killed for not taking the jumper, but Joel Embiid got ripped by Danilo Gallinari mm-hmm. on the biggest possession of the game. I mean, that's as big of a failing as not taking a shot underneath. I mean, at least the Sixers got one point per possession on Simmons passing up the dunk. Maybe Danilo Gallinari should have made all NBA or all defense if he's scaring Ben Simmons and ripping Joel Embiid. That's two superstars he took the ball away from. But I don't but know. But isn't that the issue that Embiid sort of almost has to be the point guard on this team, like the giant seven footer, because there's nobody else and it's not your point guard and Ben sure. Simmons. That yeah, you can, like, absolutely. Give it to Tobias Harris yeah. also invisible once again. Yeah. Like I'm saying, when it comes down to the role players, you're screwed. Uh, and that's you know. Ty Lue said it. When you go to a steakhouse, you order steak. You don't order ketchup. And Ben Simmons was giving him tomato water for this entire series because the guy doesn't want to shoot his proper position is probably somewhat like a Draymond Green right like a playmaking four small ball five I actually think he would be an amazing fit next to Lillard imagine that uh one two right there Ben Simmons setting the screen Lillard comes around maybe you step out on him or you hit Ben Simmons there he is at the free throw line waiting to make a play the guy's just got to work on his confidence and it's not going to happen in Philadelphia they never should have brought fans back because They've, they don't trust Simmons, and why would yeah. they? They, yeah. you know, like things start going poorly and nobody has any confidence that Simmons is going to be the one to, t- one to turn it around, and it seems like he has no interest in turning it around. Another number one pick failed in Philadelphia because of confidence. That's weird. Yeah. What, what do you think, Tess? Uh, well, I think Doc made a, a bit of a, a mistake not playing him like, uh, you know, the, the Bucks are supposed to play Giannis, like, Ben did a lot of setting picks and rolling to the hoop instead of just bringing it up where everybody just sags off of him earlier this season. He is a, you know, a power forward. That's what he is. He's a, he's a playmaking big. And if he brings the ball up like that, you can just sag off him. So if he's setting screens and rolling, I think you probably get a little bit more confidence instilled in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc decided, hey, just give him the ball and, and he should be confident enough to drive, uh, figure it out. Uh, but yeah, he obviously mentally something going on there. 
you know, LeBron's got to hook him up with the, the psychological doctor, the, the, the psychiatrist, the, because, I don't know, maybe Clutch Sports got one on the payroll or something because it's just – he needs a new start. Absolutely needs a new start. He just it, to, to not dunk the basketball when you have that opportunity right at the rim, three minutes left. I mean, he just it's just gone. Uh, you know, maybe it can come back next year in Philly, I suppose. Uh, but it sure feels like he needs total, a total fresh start uh, where, yeah, it would make it would make more sense with Damian Lillard where he doesn't. Uh, have to be on the ball as much. And I, and I thought, I assumed that's what was going to happen with the Sixers. And it obviously did not. But uh, Ben is too good to be playing like this. He's just way too good. And he's too young. And uh, I think it, if, if Doc Rivers postgame is asked, hey, is he a point guard on a championship team? Well, I, I can't answer that question right now. I don't have the answer to that question. I mean, no one is instilling confidence in him right now in Philly. So it sure feels like... They got to go. And you can't blame Joel Embiid. I mean, he did as much as he could. He just needed help. He absolutely needed help from somebody. They're looking for somebody to do it. And uh, it did not happen. When Seth Curry's your second best player, I mean, man, sad stuff there. They got got to change it up. They have to. Tough spot, though, like you said, Lee. His uh, trade value at an all-time low, (laughs) Ben Simmons. Now, that all said, I think... In a different environment, on a different team that's constructed differently, I, you know, someone out there, another GM is going to say, oh, yeah, especially uh, if we can get him for a deal because it's not going to cost as much. Uh, he will be moved. I mean, that can happen. I mean, we've seen other contracts way worse and players way older and just as many uh, liabilities to their game still be moved. So that's not an issue. But where is it? Is it Portland? You know, is there is there a strange Spurs thing where it's a sign and trade with DeRozan? Um you know, there's a couple other spots. You know, I've seen I've seen some Celtics fans trying to figure out how they could get them. Like, I, I feel like I've seen them traded to every team. If yeah, I'm watching Philly on to Twitter, Boston, like, oh uh, well, yeah, I know. But <laughs> uh, do you have one in particularly? Have like you done any trade machine work? Because Schumann thought it was going to be like you taking us through your 20 <laughs> Ben Simmons trades here today. Um, but I feel like you haven't. I feel like you're so you're you're devastated as your fellow Aussie has uh, uh, has failed you here. No, I mean, look, I, I, as terms of a, a player, I mean, I still think, I, he, like I say, he's young enough that it's not like he's going to be out of the league. Some, someone will take a flyer on him. It's just, you know, when when those phone calls are made, what are you, you know, teams are going to be offering just, you know, going to lowball the sixes because it's like if they don't trade him, then can you imagine what Philadelphia is going to approach next season like? It's like, how are you going to be different? Why are you going to be different? What's mm-hmm. changed from last season? So that's where the uh, the tough spot for Daryl Moore. But no, I, I mean, you can. there's so many different situations and scenarios. Like, maybe it's better to go to a team that is off the radar a little bit, you know, like uh, like Indiana or Minnesota maybe, where he could actually perhaps thrive in an environment where there's not so much uh, media scrutiny and expectation. Perhaps that's what he needs, but... I'm not sure because I just I just don't know with this huge contract there what teams are prepared to uh, give up for him. And again, where is that improvement going to come from? Because you can talk about it all you like, but if he's not going to shoot the ball and he's not going to be able to at, at least have some sort of reliable offensive game, then it's a, it's a tough sell still. Yeah. And, and as I say, I, I keep pointing back to the fact that his numbers in his first season, like, wow, this guy is going to be good when he gets a shot. And four years later, it's gotten worse that shot hasn't gotten there. So has he really got the work ethic? That's the yeah, question. Has yeah. he got the work ethic to go and really pr- improve in uh, in that area to have some sort of reliable shot? Because a lot of players, a lot of young players struggle when they, when they start out. It's hard to shoot in the NBA. It's hard to score. But in this part of his career, he seems to be like, I'm not really actually going to work on it all that much. 
because the evidence tells us that he hasn't been. Mm -hmm. Another uh, possibility, I guess, sign and trade. Another, uh, well, current Raptor, I said former Raptor in DeRozan. What about Lowry, Tass? <laughs> Would you want Ben Simmons on your uh, Toronto Raptor squad? Oh, yeah, the Raptors should take a chance on that. I, I, think, I think the Portland deal just makes too much sense, though, with C.J. McCollum. His trade value has been a lot higher than it is currently. He had a bad postseason besides Damian Lillard. Uh, it, it, that didn't work out. And we saw, you know, Russell Westbrook got traded for John Wall, two guys whose trade value was not all that high. Ben Simmons, yeah, sure it's low, but they are so desperate in Portland uh, for a good defensive player. I mean, he can guard everybody. Uh, I, I, I see that making a heck of a lot of sense. Mm. Portland needs a huge change. Um, but how would that work should, offensively? This is this is my question about it because it's like he's got to play off the ball for sure. He's got to be a, yeah. He's got to set picks. He he, yeah, he can I, do that. I I still think he's better when he's got the ball in his hands. I mean, because he can't shoot. You know, he can't spot up. He can't go to the corner. So sure, he can post up, get the odd you know Dwight pick and rolls. But uh, you know, obviously Lillard's going to have the ball in his hand, and then Simmons. I mean, he can't just hang out. I mean, he's got to do something. So he needs the ball. Oh, in his he's hand. good then, at hanging out. That's yeah. Well, then Lillard needs to be off the ball, and, and and that's not going to happen. So I, I I'm not sure. I know a lot of people are sort of floating that that uh, trade idea out there, but I I don't really necessarily look upgrade defensively. Uh, no question, that's what uh, Portland needs. You know, a perimeter guy, a big guy. But on the other end, I'm like, does that really move the needle for them offensively? I mean, CJ does have his faults. But at least he's a guy who can create and get his own baskets, which Lillard needs beside him. So uh, I'm not sure that that is the right spot for him next to Lillard. I'll take him on the Bulls. I think he'd be an awesome fit. I saw that trade going around quite a bit. We've got a leading scorer who doesn't play any defense and a center who doesn't play any defense. But they also like to shoot the ball. It's a perfect fit. Just have mm. Ben Simmons pass to Zach Levine and Vucevic the entire time. Locked down on defense. Suddenly the Bulls are looking at a number 25 defense. Could be exciting times <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> So what type of package are people throwing around, it, it, like that hypothetical Bull Sixers Simmons trade? What's going back to uh, to Daryl Morey in Philly there? You might get you a Kobe White. You might get you a Kobe White and a pick. And that's the thing is that uh, bringing wow. in an yeah. asset would be huge for the Sixers because they've shipped out a lot of assets to build this team they have now. So the chest is a little bit dry. But if you're able to get a first rounder, maybe you can... Move that for somebody who really helps in the future because the CJ McCollum thing, I like the idea of it as well, but you're basically just getting a little bit better version of Seth Curry, right? Like that's mm -hmm. kind of a similar comparison. Obviously, CJ's more established and probably better than Seth Curry is, but we saw Seth Curry just have a 30-point game in the playoffs. You're running those two guys out there, and now you're asking Joel Embiid to play 100% of the defense. Tough stuff for Philly right now. Yeah, this is rough. I mean, that's a, again, I don't think I'm over-exaggerating saying, like, that's a worse loss. That's a worse series loss than what happened last year because of injuries, the year before because of the Kawhi shot. Like, this is brutal. Especially, like, there's an opening to win the title. And, hey, you know what? In retrospect, maybe this is the best thing because it, as we've... I, what appears to be the case, you can't win a title with these two guys, Embiid and Simmons. So maybe in losing here to the Hawks that you should have beaten... Uh, you know, you just rip the band-aid off and you're not like convinced or tricked, Lee, if you go to the next round, you, you go to the conference finals, maybe even go to the finals and you don't win, let's say you would come up short in that hypothetical, but it's like, oh, well, we got far so we can keep them. Maybe this is better, honestly. It's like what we've sort of thought all along that I'm not sure you can win a title with these two guys together, like Simmons as your second star. And we'll see if they move on and what they can get in return because I think that's the case. Like the way he is right now, he's like f***ing Tony Allen at this point. I mean... Oh, that's not, probably take Tony, Tony Allen. Tony Allen. Tony Allen wasn't making like whatever Ben Simmons makes. That's the yeah. that's the problem here. 
Um, crazy, crazy loss, but the Hawks going through. I can't believe the Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals after the start to their season. It's, uh, it's pretty trippy, but we'll have lots more time to uh, fire up that trade machine and, and work our magic there, trying to get Ben Simmons to either the Bulls or the Blazers or wherever Lee wants him to go. Maybe just put him in Orlando. Everybody that was a former number one pick in Philadelphia should just <laughs> yeah. go to Orlando, work for Fultz a little bit, turning his, yeah. his, his career around. Maybe Simmons can do the same. Okay, let's talk, I guess a little briefly here, about Saturday night tasks. Uh, game seven between the Bucks. And the Nets, Milwaukee pulls it out in overtime. Incredible game. Uh, just big play after big play. Uh, an overtime game seven, you know, first time in 15 years. Uh, what's, the, what's your takeaway? Trying to remember what happened in that game. And then as we move forward to Bucks hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, it was wild watching the Bucks pull it out because uh, Drew Holiday not having a good game. Chris Middleton not having a good game around Giannis. Kevin Durant was having a good game, trying to drag their teams to the to the end. And to see Drew Holiday, after he kind of looked like Ben Simmons, like he didn't want to shoot. He was sort of pushing shots towards the rim. He was taking them, but he wasn't hitting any of them. Uh, and, and Chris Milton missing a lot of shots. Somehow those guys hit clutch shots right at the end. And Kevin Durant was almost good enough to do it on his own, mm-hmm. barely stepping on the three-point line for that game tying shot, what would have been the game winning shot if he wore just a tiny bit of a smaller shoe. Because uh, I I had totally forgotten that he sizes up his shoes. A great report by Chris Harry a couple of years ago that he wears a size 18 because he likes his slippers. He doesn't want to wear tight shoes, he said. He's a 17 man, uh, but he puts them on and that's why they slip off all the time because he likes wearing slippers and he forces us as uh, Kevin Durant shoe wearers to wear those really freaking tight shoes around, <laughs> uh, around the top of your feet. Yeah, like, that's tight. what KD yeah, does. Super duper in. tight. It's super tough. Uh, but like when Nike, I've been lucky enough as you guys have to get sent a, a pair of Nike shoes, they size you up automatically. They don't even ask you. You're not going to be able to get this on if it's your right size. So that's what happened to Durant. I mean, maybe if he's wearing a tiny bit of a smaller shoe, uh, uh, he wins this game for them. But he was phenomenal. I mean, we kind of take uh, take for granted that he played 53 minutes in this game. He played every minute. Mm-hmm. Because he just played 48. I mean, we watched LeBron in those teams where he was dragging teams to the finals. He played like 46 of 48 minutes, and we were yelling at Ty Lue, play them all 48. I mean, it's just hard to freaking do. And you saw at the end of, of overtime what really was a 4-2 overtime. It ended up being 6-2 with a couple garbage <laughs> yeah. points. But guys were just yeah. exhausted at the end. Everybody was playing heavy minutes, yeah. Yeah, everybody hands on knees. And and listen, guys have bad se- bad game sevens. It happens. You brought up Kobe in 2010, earlier ski game seven against the Celtics he was six of 24 but he got help from Meta he got help from Pau Gasol they got to the end Kevin Durant needed somebody desperately to help out to give him something because he put in 48 the most ever in a game seven the most ever in a game seven he just needed a little bit of help and the Bucks got that from Middleton and Drew Holiday down the stretch which was surprising on the road uh, to get them there and to score four points in the overtime I mean it was just it was wild seeing James Harden we used to yell at him in Houston. People complained in Houston. Oh, he passes up, he passes up. He's going to have the guys to to finish the job. And obviously, if all NBA Kyrie Irving is there, it's a different story in this series. Uh, but they just needed somebody to score. And and kudos to the Bucks. They did. They did kind of take it upon themselves. Drew did, even though he was having a horrific game. Uh, he couldn't find the flow. He hit shots at the end. Mm-hmm. So did Chris Middleton uh, in the end, also having a horrific game to help out Yanni. So they had. Uh, they had. 
just enough in uh, what was a Kevin Durant show. Now he's getting seemingly more love than he did when he was a Golden State Warrior, <laughs> which true. is kind of stupid. Uh, but uh, yeah, we were with the guy, Skeets. We were hanging out with the guy. I'm not even going to name his name. Uh, but throughout the game, he was saying, best player in basketball, because the Nets looked like they had it. Best player in basketball. He's the best player in basketball. He's the best player in basketball. Then after they lose the game, ah, a better Carmelo Anthony. He's a better Carmelo Anthony. That, that's what he the takes, was. The takes are hot when it comes to Kevin Durant. Uh, yes. But he was, I mean, 48. The most in a game seven. Here's the yeah. only take I didn't like from this weekend. Yeah. Kevin Durant needed my feet. Ooh. <laughs> and the Nets are in the conference finals. Smaller, smaller feet, yeah. Yeah, you can't deny it. Uh, I think Tass said, what, an 18 he wears? Yeah. yeah. That famous picture of me, I'm wearing like a 10 and a half right oh, there. Wow. I thought, that's that a tiny worked. foot. Yeah, it would have yeah. been like Steph Curry range if he shot it from back there. But, man, that was um, that was impressive from the Bucks. The, the mental strength to come back from being down 0-2 after looking terrible in Brooklyn uh, in those first two games. And even... Uh, in Game 7, I thought it was super impressive that, like, both Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were playing like Eric Bledsoe for the ma- majority of this game, except for in the fourth quarter when yep. they both really showed up and made the shots they needed to make. And also Drew Holiday, I thought, was making some really nice plays. He was passing the ball well, couldn't get a shot to drop until the Bucks absolutely needed it, but contrasting that with the way Ben Simmons went down in the fourth quarter, you just love to see a guy who's struggling, even like Trey Young was, go out there and still shoot the shots. And then as a big man lover, you know I loved it when Giannis Antetokounmpo won this game with a hook shot. I've been saying that for literally years. This man needs to learn a hook shot. When it came down to it, the biggest shot of the game was a jump hook from Giannis. And man, what a series. This guy had. He ended up with 32 points, 13 rebounds on 57% shooting in this series. But I don't know. It's such a weird series because those free throw air balls stick out so much that even Marv Albert during the game was like, I hate to say it. Maybe Giannis is sick. Nope. No, he was fine. He just missed some shots and he looked completely shook at the free throw line but had enough mental fortitude to go to the hook late in the game and knock it down. Impressive stuff from the Bucks. Lee, be honest. Did you think the Nets were winning this when Harden banked in a three? And I think it put them up five in obviously a back and forth affair. And it was like, oh my God, uh, they're going to, you know, looks like they're going to pull this off. And like the guys just took us through a lot of Bucks players, their, their main guys, even though they'd been struggling in the game, Drew, Chris, and then Giannis, especially with that hook, like uh, Trey said, like they just hit the big shots. But I thought, I thought when Harden banked that one in, I was like, wow, geez, okay. They're, they're winning here at Game 7 at home. And I, I can't believe the Bucks, uh pulled it out in the end in overtime. No, they got it done, and that's all that counts. And Budenholzer basically decided finally, apart from Pat Connaughton, he was basically playing five guys in this series or in this game. Uh, and then hang on, he did have that weird substitution of Giannis. I think it was in the second quarter for like 40 seconds. He put Thanasis out there. And you could see Giannis saying like, uh, uh, <laughs> yep. what are you doing? Yep. What are you doing? Picked yeah. up like, a quick foul, a couple of free throws. Yeah. All right, buddy, yeah. see you later. Yeah. Yeah. Nice try. Um, so, you know, and then, the box <laughs> and then yeah. again, like James weird. Harden, uh, credit to him for being out there on the court for these last three games because he clearly was nowhere near the, the player that we've seen at his best. He couldn't, he didn't trust his uh, hamstring, I don't think, because he couldn't explode. But sometimes you just get lucky with that shot. He sort of flung it up there, it rattled in, and it was like, this is what home court advantage is in Game 7. You just get those little bumps and those little rolls, 
And it, uh, he almost had a triple-double. He almost stumbled into a triple-double in a, in a Game 7 without really impacting the game uh, in a significant way. But, um, yeah, I, I have to say full credit to uh, Giannis and Milwaukee because that was a pretty hostile environment there. Giannis at the free-throw line, they were counting him down every time. Everyone's getting into it, and he basically either airballed it or knocked it in. So, uh, it was, you know, he didn't have too many rim out. I mean, there was a couple, but... But the fact is, he took 14 free throws in this game and hit eight of them. That's for him. You take that all the time. And, and he just never, he didn't seem to shy away from the contact. He has those mid ranges, but he also understood. And again, I think it was Budenholzer just reinforcing get into the paint, rise up. They're going to foul you. They can't stop you. And uh, they tried. Blake Griffin tried really hard. He battled, um, you know, but, and, and Jeff Green did the same thing. But they couldn't really contain Giannis, and, and that's really what their huge advantage was for Milwaukee this entire series, is him inside and no interior defense from the, uh, from the Nets, and eventually they prevailed. But uh, yeah, Kevin Durant, I mean, Joe Harris stunk a lot. Oh, in- Joe Harris missed <laughs> what would have probably won the game. I think, was that off the Brook block? Well, Brooke, by the that way, then was kicked its way, It found its way to Joe huge. Harris, who was wide open. Brooke, Brooke Lopez Brooke was, was massive in this yeah. game. I know he had like the, the, the boneheaded, like, oh, I don't know, oh, the shot yeah. clock and the score and all yeah. that in the corner that set up then the KD uh, at the end of regulation, the huge yeah. shot where he's on the line. But like outside of that one really drastic, dumb play from him, I thought he was amazing, especially yeah. defensively. He Lock. deterred a lot too, not even just yeah. blocks. Yeah, he's just he, a yeah he got over, really covered some ground there yeah. and, uh, and made some impactful plays there. Um, but yeah, Kevin Durant just didn't get any real help in this game because as I say, Joe Harris, there's nothing wrong with him health-wise. He couldn't hit a shot in these last few games of the series. Uh, he wasn't good enough. Obviously, no Kyrie. Harden was trying everything he could, but there was just not that. Blake Griffin was probably, was you know, yeah. yeah, their second best player actually for the game. And he, he, he sort of tried to de- give everything he could for a player who's past his prime. But uh, And even then, it still came down to overtime. And uh, yeah, if Kevin Durant just slips back and that's a three, that's like, wow, Kevin Durant delivering in game seven. What an incredible shot. <laughs> Wanda was on the sidelines going crazy, talking trash to PJ Tucker. Oh what God. a moment that this was. This game was so much fun. Like, oh my so God. So much yeah. fun. Uh, and PJ Tucker, he hit some shots. He was fighting. He looked exhausted as well at the end there. Everyone did. I mean, you yeah. know, the, I think the, 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 yeah, it was 6 2 in overtime, but it was really 4 2. And everyone was just like, just end this game. We have to end it. We've got to go home here. But uh, yeah, incredible stuff for Milwaukee when, when you look at this whole series in totality down 0 2 and the way they got humiliated in game two to come back. And they were basically done in game three. You talk about. Uh, James Harden's banker three to seal the game. Well, Kevin Durant hit the three in game three that put him up three with about a minute to go, which basically would have ended the series then. So Milwaukee were down and dead. And somehow now they've got home court advantage in the Eastern Conference Finals with a relatively speaking healthy team. You know, they mm-hmm. they, they go in, I would think, uh, as, as favorite against the Hawks for a couple of reasons. Home court advantage and health being two of the biggest. Yeah, well, Hawks fans won't be upset about that, not being the favorites. It's working no, out for them so far in yeah. their series. They like being the underdogs right now. Um, yeah, I think what we're going to do here, because we're running so long, let's let's table our actual you know Eastern Conference Finals preview and predictions and all that, like our breakdown of the Bucks and the Hawks. Let's push that to Wednesday, because they don't play until Wednesday night. So we've got a couple of days. There are no games on tonight. Then we'll have Game 2 of the Clippers-Suns, which we're going to get to here in a second. But... We'll save our ECF breakdown uh, for Wednesday, give it a little time to marinate and think it over and uh, ultimately make our uh, picks for when it comes to the Bucks and Hawks. I mean, it's wild that the Final Four is those two teams and then the Clippers' sons. It's, it's actually really uh, really exciting. Um, you know, I know some people are like, where are the big teams? Where are the big names? Well, these are great teams, so this is wide open, of course, still. Anything else to add from, uh, from this Saturday night game? Were you watching with Steve Kirby, Trey Kirby? 
<laughs> Trey Kirby was watching with Steve Kirby, and to be quite honest, I think my dad called this more right than anybody I've seen. You, uh, he's an old man, uh, as the kids were happy to remind him several times this weekend. Uh, <laughs> I had to go at halftime. You know, he was here with uh, my oh. stepmom and my sister. He's like, you know what? We're going to go back to the hotel. I'll watch the rest of this game. They'll probably fall asleep. So I said, Dad, who's going to win this? He says, I want to see the Bucks win by one. And Kevin Durant take the final shot to win or lose. It happened twice, man. It happened (laughs) twice. They were down by two. KD takes the shot to win or lose. Toes on the line. We're going into overtime. And then the second time around, he missed it. So, yeah, Steve was loving it. Steve, that guy likes basketball, man. Oh, my God. He loves basketball. He just doesn't like being uh, trash-talked by the kids. He has to leave at (laughs) halftime. Yeah, well, honestly, to me... To be fair, my dad is a cheater here. Uh, the guy mm. was like hiding off campus when we were playing hide and seek, so he deserved a little mm. bit of trash oh, talk okay. coming his way. Come on, man, you're gonna be hiding in the parking lot when it's a five-year-old <laughs> and a th- four-year-old or a six-year-old and a four-year-old trying to find you. You can't go in the parking lot, Dad. Uh, that's Old just, man, oh, that's on. smart thinking. Steve, really. come on, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Let's right. go do basketball. <laughs> we'll get to. Uh, we'll get to. That's actually uh, Trey's dad, uh, Coach uh-huh. Steve. Uh, we'll get to Clipper. Suns game one we'll uh, start like actually making our predictions for that series because it started on the weekend and all that but first a quick break to hear from our sponsors spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days pool season's coming soon so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. We don't talk about mountain time enough. No, 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 no. For for the biggest feature, for the biggest feature in time, it really gets overlooked, which, you know, little coast bias there. Central time even gets more shine than mountain time. That's what I mean. Oh, I 100% think about or hear somebody say central time way more than mountain time. Definitely. And I'll be honest, I thought they were the same thing for the longest time, (laughs) but they're not. Uh, Yeah, so join us tomorrow night. That's going to be fun. The uh, No Dunks happy hour during the draft lottery. Uh, That'll be a blast. So come uh, hang out with your boys there as we have a nice glass of gym, if you are of age. Okay, recap from yesterday. Game one, we started the Western Conference Finals. That caught me by surprise, I'll be completely honest, when, uh, you know, uh, we had the Clippers moving on on what Friday night, beating the Jazz mm-hmm. and that in that crazy game, the Terrence Mann game and all that. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, well, start them up next week, maybe a Monday night. You're like, oh no, they're playing Sunday. Okay, we're right into it. Well, Devin Booker, he was ready. First triple double. Suns beat the Clips one twenty 
to 114, Lily. I mean, a lot of people were tweeting at me. You had a pretty good weekend, Skeetsy. You won $100 off TAS because mm-hmm. the Nets lost. Obviously not going to the finals. Uh, your favorite player in the league, one of your favorite players in the league, Devin Booker, a triple-double, Suns win. And then, you know, your hometown Hawks at the very least. You're here. They're going to the conference finals. It was a good weekend. Watching it with... Uh, my buddies to be unnamed and uh, some of you guys. It was a great weekend uh, of basketball. But what did you think of the Suns' Game 1 victory here in the West Finals? Well, this was a game. I tell you, this was a game of basketball. And you should go and watch the whole thing because it was incredible. And uh, there's lots of points I want to bring up. I mean, Devin yeah. Booker, he's the star. The triple-double you mentioned there. That third and fourth quarter, I Woo. mean, the stats, the shooting, the shot-making, incredible. But the leadership as well, you know, taking shots when needed, trusting his teammates, making the right play or pass. And that third quarter, the second half of that third quarter especially, was incredible because it was George, Paul George for the Clippers and Devin Booker, just playoff basketball at its best. Booker scored 16 straight for the Suns. George had 16 himself for the Clippers. And then in that fourth quarter, winning time, Devin Booker, I mean, again, Paul George has had his playoff demons, but he's been there and his experience can sometimes be a huge factor. But Devin Booker, who is still in his playoff debut uh, in that fourth quarter, 11.6 rebounds, five assists, zero turnovers. He was FaceTiming Chris Paul after the game. DeAndre Ayton was like, don't worry about the points. Look at those assists, because obviously with Chris Paul out, someone had to step up into that role of point guard. And that was kind of Devin Booker. And um, it was just an incredible performance. The crowd again going crazy. But I do just want to say as well for the Clippers and especially Paul George, and you mentioned there, Skeets, Friday night, game six, incredible victory, down 25 at one point to the Utah Jazz. It looked like we were going to game seven, baby. And then instead, the Clippers come back, win that game, and have a 12.30 Sunday afternoon yeah. tip-off. That's, I mean, what time do they finish Hold on, on Friday night? that's 1.30 night? mountain time. Yeah. <laughs> so they basically had uh, about 36 hours to go to Phoenix, where it's like 150 degrees out there too right now. Um, Good but thing they, they were, were playing indoors. T- yeah. <laughs> but Ty Lu uh, has to get a, a lot of credit as well for getting his team ready for playing. They're so short-handed right now at the moment, um, the Clippers, because Kawhi Leonard, I don't think they've actually said officially he's out but it certainly sounds like he won't be playing anymore in the playoffs but the Clippers aren't looking for excuses they're not looking for sympathy they just went out there and balled and this game there was a ton of lead changes a ton of uh, ties and the, and the Clippers did just seem to run out of gas with about four minutes or so to go in this game. The Suns get the lead out to 10. And then the Clippers still fought again. They got it to within two. Rondo hit a couple of threes. I mean, credit to Rondo, who, who was basically benched for the last series. There's more minutes there to be had now. He came out and played well. Um, Demarcus Cousins came out and gave yeah. them some good minutes. Uh, Zubats also. But DeAndre Ayton, it, like, when, when, when Ayton's on the bench, the Clippers have a chance inside. But when he's on the game that advantage just goes away because Aiton's been uh, been fantastic for the Suns this entire playoffs, and he was great again last night. And then the Suns close it out. Devin Booker had a big dunk. Um, just an incredibly impressive victory here by Phoenix, but an incredibly impressive performance yet again from the Clippers, who must be starting to feel, you know, that th- this must be catching up with them a little bit, all these games and the travel. And uh, now they're shorthanded. Marcus Morris may be out as well. So, uh, you know, they might not have too many bodies left by the end of this series, but still the Suns aren't taking their foot off the gas. They're not complacent. They just went out there yesterday and uh, had an- another very impressive victory. Yeah, they've won eight straight consecutive playoff games, Tass. The Phoenix Suns may never lose again here. Uh, they're rolling. And that was without Chris Paul. I don't even know if I uh, threw that in there at the start. He did not play in game one. Of course, no Kawhi for the clip. So does that balance it out a little bit? Sure. But 
it was a fun game, like Trey said, or excuse me, Lee said. Uh, but Devin Booker, that was that was a takeover. That was awesome. It was so fucking cool to see. Again, people that maybe are not watching a lot of Suns games over the last couple of years, and I couldn't blame you. And uh, here he is on the biggest stage, dominating without Chris Paul. Like he took over the game. He did for sure, and and I think it kind of helped not having Chris Paul for the Phoenix Suns because in the first half the clip showed what they were going to do to Devin Booker. Uh, they were going to treat him sort of like they did Donovan Mitchell. Like when he got into the mid range, they were going to double him, and he didn't have an incredible first half. He only had eleven points in his first half, but uh, because he had the ball in his hands a ton and Chris Paul wasn't there, I, I think he got into what. Uh, Tyloo was trying to do to him right away. Monty Williams, a great response in in that third quarter, basically treating him like uh, the Nets treated Kevin Durant against the Milwaukee Bucks. Just bring it over half and set up a high pick. High pick, yeah. Who's gonna Who's gonna come get you? Who's gonna Nobody. And he got Terrence Mann down low. He even did the too small scoring over Terrence Mann. Like he was just feeling it. Then they decided, all right, Pat Bev. He's a little pest. He's also too small. I don't know if they have somebody without Kawhi Leonard. You know, hopefully for them. Kawhi Leonard comes back later in the series. They said he's not traveling to Phoenix. Maybe he comes back a little bit later. But, I mean, Paul George would be the answer. But mm-hmm. if if the Monty Williams uh, decides, you know, you can't do it every single possession, but to bring him way out and treat him like that, uh, you can't have Paul George guarding way out there. It's just, it's just it's too much work for him. But if Kawhi Leonard comes back, maybe there's a difference. So that's why, yeah, that second half where... Uh, Devin Booker at 18 in the third quarter, uh, but Paul George was answering. So was Reggie Jackson. Paul George was had 16 in that quarter. I was with uh, my father-in-law that quarter, and you know the the sounds coming out of his mouth were just oh, oh. You know, it was just like uh, the shot making was uh, yeah. It was it was just Paul George just lining it up, burying. It. He was seven of 15 from three. Reggie Jackson can't stop being good. He's yeah. four of twelve, but they desperately, desperately need Kawhi, and it's good for these Suns uh, because, I mean, they got to win the games early in the series. I think you know Chris Chris Paul is going to come back earlier than Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi could come back. So I think he, they just got to they got to gut these out. And yeah, Marcus Morris going out uh, hurts, but yeah, Devin Booker, man. I mean, this is his first run in the playoffs. They won eight games straight last year in the bubble. Uh, he comes into this postseason. Now they've won eight straight here. And, uh, yeah, I think it was a little blessing in disguise that Chris Paul wasn't around because, uh, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't really sneak up your game plan on uh, Devin Booker. They just they had to pull it out. Uh, and, and so Book was monstrous with 29 of 40 points in, in that third and overtime. And, and, again, I mean, these the Suns and the Clippers, both teams so deep. And getting so much production. And and uh, kudos to Campaign for coming into the starting lineup. 11 points, 9 assists, and uh, just one turnover yeah. in Chris Paul's absence. Uh, and, but but they needed lots of help from the bench. I mean, that's, it's funny because the Suns' last couple of years have been a bit of a laughingstock. And James Jones, as their GM, was a bit of a laughingstock in, in what he was building. And he got the Executive of the Year award handed to him before the game. And it was cool to hear the... Uh, the audio of DeAndre Ayton realizing his, his starting center realizing, well, James Jones got that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Champ. Yeah. Champ. Cause that's his nickname. Yep. Uh, so that, that was pretty neat. They just won uh, the, uh, the executive of the year could have won coach of the year too. Uh, you know, the Suns team, man, it just seems like a bit, 
uh, you know, a bit of a Cinderella situation here. They also get some help with some injuries here. It's, it's totally true. Didn't face Jamal Murray. Didn't face uh, a, a very healthy LeBron and AD. And now they got Kawhi. It just seems like everything's in their corner right now. And they're playing beautiful team basketball too, man. The the, the movement is awesome to watch. Mikhail Bridges cutting Booker like chemistry with Eaton, who was a monster tray. Uh, once again, he's been so amazing throughout the entire postseason. Uh, again, we'll get into like what to watch for in, in the, as the series moves on and make our predictions. But this game on Sunday, there, game one. Uh, any other takeaways to add? Eaton was the difference in this game. The reason that Devin Booker went off in the third quarter is because Aiton was dominating in the first half. He had 14 in the first half, and it made the Clippers have to bring Ivica Zubats in to start the third quarter rather than Marcus Morris because the shots were open, but they weren't making them, and Morris was looking slow, and Aiton was running wild out there. Ergo, a big man comes in for the Clippers. They're much better when they're playing a switching style, but... Zubats has to be in that drop coverage. He did a good job kind of playing eight into a standstill in the second half, but the mid-range is a killer uh, when you're playing drop coverage and in Chris Paul, whenever he comes back, if he's able to come back. And last or yesterday with Devin Booker, you could see how open those jumpers were. It was very Chris Paulish the way he would manipulate uh, the pick and roll, finally get his way to the 15-footer and then knock it down. But that all comes because Aiton really put a stamp on the game in the first half. He was just living in the lane. He was catching and scoring. He was just playing with a lot of force. And, you know, it made uh, made Ty Lue have to make an adjustment in the first game of the Western Conference yeah. Finals. That was huge. You know, the Clippers blinked pretty much right away because they weren't shooting the ball well enough outside. They didn't force a ton of turnovers, which is another good thing for the Clippers when they're looking their best. But when you're playing a big slow guy like Zubats out there, you're probably not going to have quite as good of a defense. And the Suns, to their credit, took advantage of it. That was great stuff from Booker to kind of like use the first half against the Clippers. Is that your sort of key then to the rest of the series? Like 100%. Just how dominant Eaton can be? Yeah. 100%. Uh, because it's very similar to Rudy Gobert against the Clippers. The opportunities are going to be there both ways. Like, there are going to be open three-pointers for the Clippers. I think uh, Marcus Morris went 0 for 5 from 3. Nick Batum went 1 for 4 from 3. If those guys make 5 between them, we're looking at a different game here. But DeAndre Ayton is a lot more skilled than Rudy Gobert. Offensively, he had 20 and 9 yesterday. 10 of 14 shooting and playing uh, and playing so well that the Clippers had to adjust right away. That was that's got to be scary for Ty Lue because he does not want to play Zubats that many minutes. DeMarcus Cousins had a great first half. He really slowed down in the second mm -hmm. half, ended up with more fouls than baskets. So a little bit of diminishing returns as time goes on. He seems like he's only good for really one stint at this point. But if the Clippers are going to have to play a big guy in this series to kind of combat Aiton, that's bad news bears for L.A. Tess, what about you? What's like a key to this series? I know one game's already in the books here, but moving forward, what do you think? Well, yeah, Marcus Morris has to stay on the floor for the Clippers. And he was hurt in that second half. Uh, he was in the back. I think they definitely would have started him that second half. Uh, but he had some pain. So, uh, yeah, he, he came out uh, late. Uh, and the thing is, I mean, they're all chasing around uh, Devin Booker. I just don't think they have anyone that's... That's uh, that's big enough uh, to guard him if if he's going if they're giving him the ball way out there and uh, I think yeah they they figured it out that uh, they can start at midcourt with that dude and uh, and just get a head start and get a running start because uh, you know Paul George he has so much to do offensively they desperately need Kawhi Leonard in there they just don't have anyone man Beverly too small Batum Morris uh, too big and slow they might have to double to get it out of his hand so I think uh, the the wing players Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder. 
uh, are going to have to step up because I, I really think Ty Lue's going to have not much of a choice, but just to get the ball out of Book's hands. And uh, Crowder and Mikel Bridges, if they can step up and hit shots, I mean, this could be, uh, this could be a quick one because uh, they have so much confidence in themselves right now. And uh, yeah, I think I think you know this, the the Suns won uh, because they made a, a smart adjustment. You know, getting Book the heck away from all those Clippers hands, all those those long Clippers arms in the lane. So uh, you know, they need Kawhi back. I think yeah. I think to, to really be able to chase Devin Booker in tandem with all those other guys I mentioned. They just they just uh, you know I I think. Donovan Mitchell could have done that a little bit more, uh, and, and Doncic did a good enough job. But um, you know the 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 Suns just have a lot of weapons. So Bridges and, and Crowder, uh, they could be you know they could they could help out Book for sure. So that's that's what they're going to do. I think they're just going to have to double Book and see who else can mm. beat them. Yeah, and look, we're not counting out the Clippers here by any means. We've seen what they did in the first two series. Uh, you know, rallying both times. They, they do make some adjustments. Now, they made some quick ones like Trey brought up there. Uh, maybe that was a bit of like the fatigue factor just coming off a of game, uh, game six there on Friday night and the quick turnaround, Suns arrested and all that. But, Lee, what do you got your eye on in this uh, Western Conference Finals? Well, in the last series for the Clippers when they had to come off a game seven victory against the Mavericks and go straight to a series with the Jazz, I was like, oh, I wonder if fatigue will catch up with them. And uh, it didn't. It didn't at all. The Clippers finished that season, that series much stronger. But, I'm going to say it again. I wonder if it does start to catch up with them because obviously Kawhi's out. Uh, Morris may be missing. Uh, Terrence Mann had an incredible game in, in game six against the Jazz. But these sorts of things are a bit more found money rather than really reliable there for Ty Lue. So just how much longer can Reggie Jackson keep hitting shots like he's been great, uh, you know, in these last couple of games and been great for the Clippers. But at some point, it just you just sort of wonder if it will catch up them to a little bit because the Suns as well are a great defensive team. So it's going to be tough for the Clippers as this series goes on. And, uh, you know, he he dusted off uh, uh, DeMarcus and he got some good production out of him, but you could see he hasn't really got the legs to be able to play, you know, much more than he played yesterday. Luke Kennard comes and goes. Defensively, doesn't give them much. He can give them uh, some shots offensively. But uh, I just wonder if that will be a factor because the Suns have been fresh and ready. They've got no injuries. I mean, Chris Paul's not going to be coming back from an injury whenever he gets out of coronavirus protocols and in some ways that could also help Chris Paul because he had a couple of little uh, he had you know he had the shoulder injury I know against Denver he looked fine but mm-hmm. for a veteran like him getting an extra couple of days rest uh, could help them in the long term so I just think that uh, the Clippers who, who battled until the death again yesterday might not have the legs uh, in, in a series like this um, you know they've survived the first two going down 0-2 but uh, the further it goes, maybe it will be uh, more of a factor in this series. Well, let's spin it into your pick. Who do you got? I mean, the Suns get a nice little lead here, 1-0. Yeah. But uh, what, do you have Phoenix taking it, and how many? Yeah, I, I mean, I was always going to lean on that home court and that uh, rest advantage that I think the Suns have. Um, but I'm going to give the Clippers a lot of credit, and I think it does go at least six games. I'll give them six. Uh, I think the Clippers uh, have got some more fight, and Ty Lue's going to pull out some sort of magic trick here to uh, extend it. But ultimately, I think the Suns get through in six. Okay, Trey, prediction. Yeah, I'll go Suns in seven. It just feels like we're going to see Chris Paul before we see Kawhi Leonard. So um, Phoenix definitely feels like the healthier team. They already got one win at home and they got home court advantage. Phoenix in seven sounds all right. Tess? Yeah, it's it's wild when you don't see a, a team for like a week during the playoffs. It's almost like yeah. I forgot about them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was leaning Clippers after getting high off them, their win on Friday night. But uh, yeah, I, in the end... Yeah, the head says, yeah, home court advantage, healthier team. Now Marcus Morris is injured. 
the the Suns uh, should be able to take advantage of that inside with a slow Zubats having to sub in for him. Uh, I think this could be a quick one. Uh, I'll I'll go I'll go dumb and say the uh, that yeah that every second game finally catches up with the Clips. I'll say Suns in five. Suns in five. I mean, I don't think that's that crazy. Like. If, Kawhi, if you were to tell me Kawhi Leonard is playing in Game 3, I'd be like, okay, okay. Um, I may even talk myself into taking the Clippers. And I've picked against the Suns in the first two series, both times in seven games. So I thought they would be close games, or close series, but I had the Lakers winning in seven. And then I had, uh, who did they just play again? Remind Nuggets, me of the Nuggets Denver winning in seven. Nuggets. Yeah. I'm not going to do it here, though. I am going to go Suns. But, man, it's a, Kawhi is just the ultimate question mark. Like, I guess, why would we expect him to play? Right? I mean, it's, it's like... Guy usually uh, thinks long-term when it comes to injuries, so I can't imagine they're rushing him back for just, you know, especially if they're down 2-0 going back to L.A. I'm going Suns. I'm with you, Tess. This team is so damn hot right now. It feels Cinderella-ish because of the way things are lining up for them. I will go Suns in 5-2. At one point, they'll lose a game there in L.A., but I got Phoenix winning again here in in, uh, Phoenix, uh, the second game coming up on Tuesday night uh, after the draft lottery. They're just so locked in, and every guy keeps contributing. And you guys went through them all, so I won't do it again. It's just amazing. Monty Williams has everybody bought in. And then you have star players to end it, be it Booker, and then they're going to get another one back in Chris Paul. So I'll go Suns in five, too. But we got Suns in fives. We got a Suns in seven. We got a Suns in six. Let's hear from the stream team. Anybody like the Clippers come back for a third time uh, in, in, in one postseason? And if so, how many games? Let us know there in the stream team and let us know in the YouTube comments as well. Anything else from this game or this series, guys? You want to chip in there? It was a great weekend, honestly, mm. just to take like a big picture. That was awesome. You got the Friday night games and you've got the huge game seven on Saturday night. And then these really like entertaining games, a like game one for the Western Conference Finals and then the game seven between the Hawks and the Sixers. Like everyone was pretty awesome, Lee. Like at Terrence one point man. I was like, we're going to, like I thought Hawks... Sixers, if I'm being honest, was going to be like a 30-point blowout. Because I'm like, we can't possibly get another incredible game here, can we? Like, You've been, been spending like, too much time totally with our spend- buddy who shall not be named. You guys always <laughs> try and call everything before it's happened. Grisham. Oh, let it slip. Oop. My bad. My bad, guys. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, there's no way game seven's going to be good. Come on, buddy. No, Have so- a little faith. Thank goodness. It, we were spoiled, though, Trey. We were. These were all oh, really like so many lead changes in a lot of these, yeah, too. It's like 19, 20 lead changes. Like, I love like basketball, so why go yeah, into man. it thinking, oh, this one's going to mm. be a dud? Come on. It's called optimism. Uh, lower your expectations, and then you'll be always pleasantly That's a good way to be an angry guy. That ain't me, buddy. <laughs> all right. Well, it was awesome, man. I'm just trying to say it was a great weekend of basketball. Oh, and, and, great, and a great Grand Prix, too, as they're mentioning down here in the oh, stream yeah. team. Oh, a lot of tire strat talk over the weekend. Oh, what a Sunday. What a Sunday. Just two pit stops. Two pit stops. That's awesome. Two stop strat. Uh, wow. Wow. Why not go two? Why, why go three when you could do two? That's what they say. Well, they usually go one. Yeah, that was the problem. They (laughs) didn't go two. Botas was saying, let's stop again. They said, no, keep going. Slow down, bud. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Oh, and then they had the golf league. Were you even watching golf this weekend? Nah. Oh, I thought I'd get you there. No. No. No golf for Lili. No, but you know what? You know what, though, Skeetsy? I know you've talked about last night's game seven. You can't go to bed after that. No. Like, you're just lying there just like, man, I'm just, you know. Just the adrenaline's flowing, you know, and and obviously I was pulling for the Hawks. We're a you know we live here in Atlanta, but I wouldn't have been you know devastated if they lose it. But it's just one of those games like it was so tense at the end. It was so tight. It was like, are they going to do this again? Are they going to win three games in Philadelphia? Yeah, that's we, huge. and you know that series. Remember Game Three? We were like, douchebag sweep on deck here. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, the Sixers yeah. too big, too strong. From that Friday 
to last night, the whole world changed. Really, for Philadelphia. I mean, it did. For Philadelphia, yes. Yeah, like because last Monday they were up 17 and I think at halftime it was like, well, yeah, they're definitely winning this game. They lose that one. Then they, uh, what happened next? Then they lose in Philadelphia. Then they come here and win on Friday night and then go home and lose again. I mean, just yeah. wild stuff. Wild. Yeah. It's going to be a different Philadelphia. You know, when you think about it like that, there's going to be an implosion. They have to blow it up, baby. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, can't, you can't bring this back. Well, one thing about the Phoenix... Uh, home game, Chris Paul, Rachel Nichols continuously reporting that he was talking to Monty Williams, talking talking, uh, to his teammates and FaceTiming with everybody after the game and even contacting his brother who was sitting courtside, CJ, don't call me Cliff Paul, uh, to to relay some messages to Jay Crowder and to guys, why not just get him on an iPad, FaceTime, and have him in the huddles there? I mean, it seems like he's the coach and he needs to talk just... Have him on a, a full stream. No, I mean, go one better. Throw him on the stream. jumbotron. Yeah, I was thinking that too. But you know, <laughs> I you guess he's trying might to give, give some away some tricks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they could have at least uh, patched him in for a second. That would have got the crowd even more fired up. Uh, Phoenix yeah, yeah, we, we hear Steve Javi, but let's hear Chris Paul. Yeah, let's, let's go down to Chris Paul for his thoughts. Uh, yeah, great weekend of basketball and sports in general. If you're a fan of the F1 or the golf or. Uh, what else? What happened? Oh, there was uh, a lot Euros, of soccer being lot played. Of soccer. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Atlanta United was playing. Oh my goodness, hockey. How about the Habs? Oh, Vegas won, didn't they? In overtime, I think. <laughs> hockey. Okay, let's take one more <laughs> break to hear from our sponsors. All right, back with no dunks. Time for tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. Oh, we do not need to overthink this one. Tweet of the night comes from a producer, actually, at The Athletic. Goes by at Black Dragon Roll on Twitter, and this was a banger of a tweet. Please enjoy. Copyright be damned. We had to play that in today's show. Jerome coming through with that for those just listening. That was basically a Kevin Herter mixtape from Game 7. All the moves. Some slick. That, I forgot about that. Like, step back through the legs. Uh, three there. That was that was money. Oh, man. So good, Lily. I know it has like 33,000 likes or something, but sometimes mm. you can't overthink these. Well, it's funny because I was thinking more along the lines of John Mellencamp hurt so good, uh, but I think uh, Rick Astley here is better. I okay. just think it's better. Okay. Just seeing Ricky move those hips as well. I mean, it's beautiful. Kevin Herter it's needs beautiful. to show up for game two wearing a denim oh, shirt tucked yes. into a pair of yes. light <laughs> denim jeans. Uh, he's kind of got a side part usually going, but maybe he could go for the Astley uh, master poof sort of maneuver because, you know, they're saying it in the stream team. I never really thought of Rick Astley as a comparison. For Kevin Herter, yeah. but undeniably accurate, especially yeah. seeing it now after you're never going to turn around and Herter you. Come on, man. They're mm-hmm. too good. Show up in a tucked-in shirt already. 
<laughs> incredible stuff there from uh, Jerome. A very funny follow on Twitter, Black Dragon Roll. Also, I just saw this come through while we had that last ad break, and I'm just going to share it too. It's got nothing to do with basketball, but it does have to do with sports. Olympic trials going on this weekend as well, and this is just incredible. From Megan Greenwell, it has come to my attention that not enough of you watched my new favorite athlete, Christina Clemens, qualify for the Olympics last night while wearing earrings shaped like bags of Cool Ranch Doritos. Look at this. We're showing it to you in the street team. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. Uh, Incredible earrings, and congrats to uh, Christina there for qualifying for the Olympics. Uh, Wow. Um, So anyway, that's sort of a little bonus tweet of the night for you there, Cassie. You like Cool Ranch Doritos? I'm kind of mad on Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> I know everyone was hot on them for a long time. I've just never been a Dorito man, really. Oh, you know, okay. I, I'm happy with, happy with every chip, but <laughs> Doritos are just kind of there. With every I don't chip. know. I don't know. Yeah. But we didn't even talk about, yeah, all the uh, all the track going on. Shakari Richardson, mm-hmm. Allison Phoenix, another Olympic uh, birth. Yep. I mean, this is... This, Sports are good. Yeah, sports are good right now. Uh, TK, you're a Cool Ranch guy, aren't you? Or you were? Oh, 100% Cool yeah. Ranch for life over nacho cheese. I'm old enough to remember when they changed from Cool Ranch to Cooler Ranch. Oh, and wow. I never looked back, man. I don't know what that's supposed to taste like. It doesn't taste like ranch to me. just tastes like pure Doritos food science. Once you start, you cannot stop physically. Like your body won't let you stop because of yep. what you're putting in your mouth. Yeah, and Lee, I don't even know why I'm asking you, but I can't imagine you're a fan of Doritos, specifically Cool Ranch. No, it, it's, it's not that I'm not a fan of them. I just don't eat them all the time. But uh, Cool right. Ranch are fine. Yeah, I'm okay. still just more a, a, a nacho cheese uh, Oh, okay. Man, you're, preferably. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. sounds like we just got to get that pull up now. Uh, <laughs> cool Ranch or, or, or OG yeah. Nacho. Okay. Well, sweet, oh. spicy sweet chili. Totally forgot Preach. about that. JG that's mentioning really, it. That's in good. The I mean, there's so many variants of Doritos at this point. Spicy sweet chili is good. Uh, salsa verde is good. They go deep in the bag with their flavors. But if you're talking about the OGs, uh, yeah, <laughs> nacho cheese and Cool Ranch, it's blue over red for me. Mm, I think I think I'm a red over blue man, mm. uh, uh, Morpheus. I think I'm taking that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool, cool Ranch is just like I, I, it just smells like feet to me too. There's something about the bag, the smell of a Cool Ranch Dorito. That's the cool part. Doesn't, doesn't say, yes, that's right. That's how they get the coolness. It's from <laughs> foot odor in that bag. Uh, all right. So we'll like call someone it wearing flip flops at Summer League. Just uh, those beautiful, smelly feet. There you go, Lily. Uh, all right. So we'll call it there. Fun, fun episode with so much to break down. Thank you to the stream team for joining us live. Just a reminder, because we've uh, switched it up here a little bit this week. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, live on YouTube, just like The Daily Show. But it's going to be beach stepping. So get your questions in now. No dunks at theathletic.com. You can tweet them in at no dunks inc. That's INC. You can leave them in the YouTube comments. We will hit the beach tomorrow morning. Then back on Wednesday with your daily show because we'll have game two of the Clippers Suns on Tuesday night. But also on Tuesday night, we got our no dunks happy hour draft lottery bourbon time watch party uh it's uh, <laughs> shout out to everybody in the mountain time because that's official <laughs> bourbon time but we will start that don't mind you know mind the slide that, that that's bourbon time is always from six to seven but our happy hour on tuesday night is going to be during the draft lottery which i believe starts at like 
8.30ish. So we'll fire up the live stream uh, at around 8 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube so you know when we're going live. But that'll be happy hour on Tuesday night. And then daily show rest of the week because we're going to get into this little uh, one game a night task. Are you a fan of it when we get down to like just one game on? It's an 8.30 or 9 o'clock start. You can give it your full attention. We can really break it down and then get a little creative maybe in the uh, in the second block of the shows. Am I a fan of one game a yeah. night? Sure. Yeah. At this point. Fan, at this but point, I'm a fan, I'm a fan more of two games a night. I like two mm. games a night. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Lily, you must be loving this, though. The one game now, you're going to be in bed all the time by midnight? <laughs> as long as they're good games, man. Nah, I don't mind. I don't answer. mind. That's the answer. Lee said right, he had okay. trouble falling asleep after game seven last night. That game was over at 10.30, mate. Come on. Yeah, but it's the it's the adrenaline in your body. You can't just, like, pour it out. You've got to let it just seep. I know you're an early you're point, an yeah. early bedtime kind of guy, but you even your body at this point has to be conditioned to stand up till midnight. There's no way you're going to bed at 10.30 during the playoffs. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I can't. I can't lie down. So I'm, I'm, I'm out there. Like, And the problem is, you this know, when you're lying there. just wants to get there, some shots up. That's what he wants. Uh, to yeah, up. but when you're lying there, you know what happens. You just sort of reach for the phone. Like, I don't, why am I scrolling? There's nothing to scroll for anymore, but you scroll. And then that just sort of resets you back because you're not getting all those uh, the good sleep. Um, what's he call that? Uh, my man, Matt, Matt Walker. He says these things you get into your brain. You need to get that sleepiness. And all dreams. that. All that I think are, they're called uh, dreams. All that a screen does is basically set you back, you know. So right. anyway. No, that's great. great. We got Loki out right now. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out on streaming. We only got one game a night. That's enough. You can get your game in. You can get your content in. So you can, you know, diversify your things you're putting in your brain, as they're supposedly <laughs> called. Well, just make sure you uh, continue to put no dunks in your brain, guys, whether you listen to the podcast or join us live here on YouTube. All right, we will see you tomorrow morning when we hit the beach. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, no NBA games tonight, so you can take in Dwayne Wade's The Cube. Oh! <laughs> yeah. it the, Even though it's it not premiere? on Mondays. Oh, okay. No, it's, it's not it's on Mondays. Mondays. New episodes Thursdays, I think. Okay. But, you know, I think there's a back catalog, you know. Sure. They're somewhere. Okay. Go watch them somewhere. They're on some streaming platform, no doubt. All right. Brace the day, people.